Nelson Mandela had so much compassion for his brothers and sisters. People don't realize it's about the Beatles, that they knew they were brilliant. You saw thousands of people along the rail, just standing there lying, by the Bobby Kennedy. One story in every human being that defines who you are. Do we film on a volcano that's just about to explode? But the reason this mail pack has been astoundingly successful is because there are pictures of rabbits on the envelope. I mean, I remember it so well, where, you know, I was like, hello, hi, Susie, hi, it's LD. I was like, oh, hi, Lyle, what's up? I mean, I think there's something about chaos, right? It either, either you run from it or you run towards it. And for me, there was really this in instance of wanting to run towards it. How does innovation help push SAP forward day in, day out? Innovation is at the heart of SAP. Each and every day, we're getting inspired by each other. We're constantly thinking about the next product, the next partnership that's really going to enable us to achieve our vision, which is to help the world run better and improve people's lives. Our very special guest on Great Minds today is the global CMO of SAP, Alicia Tillman. Great to have you with us, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me today. And I, I want to start in sort of three different places at once and put three things together. And you've got an interesting academic background, two bookends, a very small school in Pennsylvania, like Coming, mm -hmm. and on the back end a couple years ago, went through that tremendous CMO program at Kellogg. Mm -hmm. I'd love to talk about how those two things and as important, if not more important, you've often talked about how your mom was such a big influence. Can you talk about the confluence of those, an unusual combination of, uh, of a small school, yeah. a, a big high prestige program, you know, well into your career, and the tremendous influence of your mother in shaping you? Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you for the question. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, how much your your upbringing and your life as a child has um a lot to say about, you know, who you become later in life and certainly those things that are important to you. And I can tell you, I mean, I came from you know, a truly uh blessed and and wonderful household. Um, you know, two fantastic parents who had wonderful careers um, in the retail industry, though they worked a little bit too hard, you know, you know, two extremely hardworking um, individuals uh, with a tremendous work ethic that really served as, as the role models to, to myself and my two younger brothers and growing up. And then, you know, tragically and suddenly, you know, my father passed away when I was 13 years old and, you know, I was the oldest of three children, um, you know, in 13, not even that, that old. Um, and you know, that, that had a, a very significant effect on me because I felt it was a turning point, if you would, in, in a very, you know, young life where I needed to step up and help and I needed to help my mother. And she was a career woman. Um, you know, which in the 1980s, you know, there, there were, you know, certainly women with careers, but not many. Um, and I knew how much it meant to her. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, the moment when my father, you know, had passed away and my mom turned to me and said, well, now what, now what do we do? And I said, well, you know, we grieve and, you know, we hold on to, 
you know, my father's legacy and, and, and what we built together with him. And we try our very best to, to continue to keep all of that intact. And that also means, you know, my mom's career and whatever it would take for me to help her around the house and help with, you know, my, my brothers and, and, you know, helping them deal with the loss of, of, of their father also, and what they needed support with, I was all in and I was prepared to do that. And that's exactly what I did. And so I felt like I became an adult much quicker than, than most because I really wanted to help. And, and with that said, when it came to college and being at like homing, I wanted to stay pretty close to home. Um, you know, I wasn't interested in, you know, a, a big school and, you know, I wanted to go somewhere where I could get, um, you know, a, a great education in Lycoming certainly provided for that, but I want it to be close and I want it to, um, you know, be in an organism, be in a, in a, in a academic institution that, that prioritized, you know, something that I was always passionate about from a really young age was, was, was marketing, was advertising, was journalism. And I knew that early because, you know, my creative side with me that was so prevalent in my younger years, you know, I asked my teachers early on, well, what can I do with, with, um, you know, my skills on being a good writer and storyteller and loved art and being able to tell stories through pictures. And immediately they said, marketing, you're going to be a marketer. Um, and, and so I went to Lycoming and I had a great, great four years there. You know, I was class president my freshman year. And then by senior year, I was president of the student body for the entire school. And I really optimized that. And then, you know, I had a, you know, immediate great career. And then to your, your, your question on Kellogg and the CMO program, you know, it was an honor to be asked to be part of that and be supported um, you know, by SAP to allow me to go through that. And I felt like it just was a continued education of not only the, the great um, knowledge that I had gained from like homing, but also the great knowledge and experience that I gained from being in the workforce for a period of time as well. Um, you know, and I think all of those, you know, be it my upbringing or, you know, being there for my mother and still seeing her, um, you know, continue with a, an amazing career. Um, and then I sort of pull that all together and sort of I look at what I've been able to achieve today. And, you know, I think above everything else, I think what I had to that turning point when I was 13 years old, um, you know, that was by far I think what shaped the person that I am today and, you know, certainly as a female leader where, you know, there are still very few of us at C-level positions in corporations, um, you know, but thankful to my mother who gave me that motivation, that indirect motivation, because that's the, the environment that, that she was the role model for in, in my household. Um, you know, it was all of these learnings in those early years that I think, you know, were ultimately, you know, what led me to the place that I'm in today. Fantastic. Well, that's quite a leap from 13 years old, helping your house run to <laughs> what you do now, helping yeah. the world run better at SAP. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Alicia, looking at your career, and I want to talk about your tenure at American Express and even before that, as well as SAP, of course, but the common thread that you find just reading about you is you've been a person of firsts. And one of your firsts was launching 
the first ever business uh, travel industry forum when you were at American Express in China. Mm-hmm. China's certainly been in the news lately. What can you tell us about that experience then and how that might have, you know, some insights into how we got to where we are now? Yeah, I mean, look, there's a tremendous economy in China. And certainly if you're a large uh, multinational global organization, um, you know, that's a marketplace that really matters. You know, there's a tremendous amount of innovation there, strong economy, um, you know, certainly a number of, of firsts from a product development um, standpoint. And so having China as part of your your global footprint is is something that um, you know most companies really need, and and certainly when I was at um, Amex, we we needed the same as well. But you know, with the way that um, China is structured relative to um, local entities operating in the country versus international ownership, um, you know, when I was in the travel industry, there was some definitely some limitations. And we needed to um, really think through a, a partnership model in particular um, in terms of how we grow our business. And then also think about as we grow our business through, you know, be it joint ventures or um, partnerships of, of local Chinese entities, then we need to think about, you know, how to really grow our, our brand, brand presence and also importance of of the business travel industry in particular. And so, you know, we had a lot of of local interests, you know, through joint venture partnerships, which, you know, I spent a great deal of time helping, you know, to lead the development um, side of within the business. And then the first ever um, travel summit, you know, travel is a is an interesting spend category for companies. It's actually um, typically, either the second or third largest controllable spend item, you know, behind people and technology and infrastructure, um, and so there's a lot of money that's spent in the world of business travel uh, at a at a corporate level, and um, the same holds true with with destinations in the Asia Pacific region, and so. We wanted to introduce um, a new travel forum. We did it in in concert with uh, the Shanghai government, which was very special for them to be able to engage in a partnership at this level with with American Express. Um, you know, and you know, we we thought that we weren't sure. Uh, obviously, we always had great aspirations about how many people would have interest in the the field of business travel and how to manage and optimize the spend. But we had thousands of people who came to the first one, um, you know, not hundreds, but thousands. And, and these are all those within companies who have decision authority over travel or want to put more structured programs around it um, because the market had been a little bit immature in terms of the management of business travel. And so our ability to bring the topic to the region and also um, think about how we can innovate to the benefit of how companies can get a better handle on it and optimize the spend a bit better. Um, it was a big first for American Express, and it was also a very big first for the region itself, which was was very exciting to, to, to have led that for the company. 
Fantastic. And clearly too big to ignore. I mean, China place in the global economy, um, that's going to continue. Absolutely. And, and, you know, obviously, um, you know, we've, we've, we've certainly, um, seen and understand, you know, be it from an economic standpoint or, um, you know, with the, the global pandemic, um, how we need to, to operate in the market, how to do so successfully, how to learn from the market continuously, certainly from, you know, the effects of what we've seen here with, with COVID-19. Um, but it is a, and still continues to be, um, a market that if you are, um, a multinational global company that you need to still have a strong footprint in and, um, you know, having, the right infrastructure, the right model to help you lead and 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 really um, interact with with the Chinese marketplace is something that you know is 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 you can't lose sight of. So you had a glorious uh, run over ten years at American Express, and uh, I want to talk a lot about, a lot about what you're doing now in terms of leading with purpose at SAP. You know, early in my career, I had a wonderful opportunity to work with a guy named Jerry Welsh, who was a, a marketing legend. And he at American Express led what, you know, arguably was the birth of modern day cause marketing when they partnered with Lee Iacocca on the campaign for the Statue of Liberty way back when. And um, purpose has been such a big part of your career, both at Amex and uh, now at SAP. And um, I love the variety of things that you're doing now. I mean, supporting the UN Sustainable Development Goals but is one thing, but what you've been able to do with SAP to help things like stop poaching in South Africa, to deliver clean water in India. Talk about how you manage to leverage your incredible technology and what seems to be a whole lot of heart to really make a difference in local communities. Thank you for that. Um, you know, when I first came into the the CMO role um, at SAP, so been at SAP five years, but uh, been the, the global CMO for nearly three now. The first and foremost thing that I had recognized about the company is we had an outstanding culture. And when you talk to employees in any part of the world at SAP, you often have them talk with you about this belief that we are here and our purpose is to truly help live and operate in a better world and to do that through the use of technology. And, you know, certainly there's, there's a vision which is to help the world run better and improve people's lives. And, um, you know, when, when you stand as we do it now, over 100,000 global employees, I did feel that there was a better way for us to connect that and tell that story and have it really become even a more formal fabric of the company. And, you know, I set off and, and looked to really go back to our roots, which was now 48 years ago, to to truly understand the purpose of the company and what the intention was with SAP technology. And yes, it's to help companies and their operations run at their best, but it's also 
this belief that when companies run at their best, then companies have a better ability to contribute to helping to solve um, the world's challenges, be it from an economic, environmental, or societal standpoint. And I thought that that was just a beautiful being and purpose uh, for a company. And I wanted to um, make sure that it was more understood uh, and really realized in the value of our products. So we created the first ever corporate narrative for the company. We did it across a three-month period. We workshopped it in focus groups with many of our employee networks across the world to make sure that we had great diversity at the table to help architect truly what we all believed collectively as an employee group, the purpose of SAP to be. And after we created this narrative, we decided to create a campaign around it. And we made a very conscious decision that the campaign that we created was going to be about our customers who are focused on running at their best so that they can really fulfill what their purpose-driven agendas are to change the world in some way. And so, you know, you referenced a couple of, of a company called ERP, which is Elephants, Rhinos, and People that is working to help solve the poaching challenge that we have in South Africa. Um, you know, or, um, you know, we, there's a company called Compartamos in Latin America that is really focused on helping women entrepreneurs gain the capital they need to make their ideas and their dreams and their business plans a reality. Um, and to other companies that are working to solve the clean water challenge in India or look at how we can look at sustainable sourcing and, and sustainable means of energy to help create a cleaner and, and a more sustainable planet. And we decided that we were going to showcase just these companies. And, you know, when, when one would ask, well, how and how are you doing it? Then that's when we had an opportunity to talk about the application of the technology. But we believed that let's tell it in the form of outcomes um, because that's what really matters to people. And what really matters um, also are, you know, companies that are in the business of doing good. And so that's how the whole thing came together, you know, during my first year in the role to really tell that story truly of the purpose of SAP and, and how to best tell it publicly. And the only way to do it in our mind was to do it in terms of how our technologies truly help helping our customers, you know, create a better world for everyone. And I got to tell you, it's worked because if you asked me five years ago, you know, what did SAP stand for? I would have been hard pressed to give you an answer, but now we know what you stand for. That's great. Thank you for that. <laughs> I love how you also have injected humor into what you're doing. Tell us about what you did with Jimmy Kimmel, because I thought that was so clever. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. You know, one of the big things that um, I've also been focused on with the brand is Look, there's um, there's there's multiple ways that you need to focus on selling. I mean, yes, you have to have really good products that solve challenges for our buyers or create opportunities for them, and you have to do a really great job at at telling that story of product value, product capability. The other thing that also contributes to a buyer's ability to want to buy your product is um, they have to feel like they can relate to your brand. 
They have to feel like when they buy into your company, they're buying into a community that they want to be part of because there's a shared sense of value um, of what's important in the world. And there's this relatability that hits you more in the heart and soul um, together with, um, you know, what it is you're trying to solve for day to day at a company level. And that matters. I mean, you can have the best products in the world that solve tons of challenges and open lots of opportunities. But if it's not a company that, you know, for lack of a better word to put way to put it, that you don't like, um, then usually how you judge whether or not you like someone is based on what you have in common and your values and your beliefs um, and your, how you operate in, in a community like setting. I mean, that matters. And so we we're often trying to think about new and unique ways to tell our story and to do it in, in, in ways that are emotional and, and, you know, get to that sort of human side of, of things that are important and, and humor and, you know, being in consumer types of, you know, personal situations. And so, in this one particular opportunity, you know, we were working to sort of introduce a new product line within our business that focuses on helping companies gain the insights they need to be able to deliver a great customer experience. And to be able to, to deliver a great customer experience, you need to actually know what the customer wants. And so we have a, a whole suite of technologies that focus on doing just that. And we wanted to tell this story in a very unique way. So we partnered with Jimmy Kimmel. Um, and you know, Jimmy's sidekick is Guillermo, if, if you're familiar with the show, of course, and, of right. Course. And so Guillermo, like he, he helps him, you know, with a lot of different segments across the show. And so we did this really funny spot with Guillermo. Um, you know, it was a, it was a skit where he was, um, not feeling like, you know, his employer cared much about how he was feeling. What's wrong, Guillermo? I had a terrible day. First, I got stuck in my parking spot and I spilled coffee on myself. <laughs> then the coffee machine broke. It was not my fault. <laughs> stop, stop. Then everybody got donuts except me. <laughs> Things need to change here. I want to tell people how I feel. Maybe you could if the show used SAP. SAP what? SAP is the leader in experience management. Their solutions allow businesses to collect, analyze, and act on their customers' and employees' real feelings so they're able to provide the best experience possible. Wow, that's a great idea, therapies. Thank you! I had the best day ever. Now that we start using SAP, people know not to park close to me. Wow! They fixed the copy machine. And they got donuts for everybody. <laughs> It is all thanks to you. You're a good therapist. Okay, I'm not a therapist. I'm an accountant. I just happen to have a couch in my office. Let me get back to work. Oh, okay. Can I still sleep here, sir? Sure. Go to sap.com xm to learn about how SAP Experience Management Solutions can help your business. He, he didn't think that his employer really cared because they never asked him. And so... You know, we, we talked about our technology in that way that said, well, what if your company actually had tools to be able to, um, you know, probe you in a formal way every now and again and ask you about certain things in the office place environment 
um, you know, and then took on board that feedback and actually did something about it. So we, we did this in a skit with Guillermo, um, you know, to demonstrate the technology. And it was very, very funny. It was funny. It was, look, it was human. It was relevant. It, it allowed you to take, you know, what oftentimes can feel very daunting and complicated enterprise cloud software. And, and how do you apply that in sort of a real life situation so people can really grasp the value of technology and, you know, why not do it in a, in a very comfortable and fun setting. And, and that's what we did with, with Jimmy and with Guillermo and, and it was great. And it, it just brings this softer, you know, more emotional, more empathetic, more relevant side to the brand that, as I said, really does matter when it comes to ultimately, you know, bringing new customers into your portfolio. It sure does. And that human element and how you've been able to build those bridges from something that is so complex and tech-driven in terms of what you do for experience management and really literally helping the world run better in your case and put a human face on it and connect to communities, whether it's something that makes us laugh like Jimmy Kimmel and Guillermo or something that solves a problem like what you talked about with clean water and poaching and so many other things. And that human element um, is just invaluable. And, and that seems to come from you, Alicia. Thank you for that. <laughs> I really appreciate it. No, it is. It, it is. I mean, it's, you know, you, you, I believe just in leadership generally, um, you know, you have to inject it, your authentic self into the way in which you feel your brand should be operating, right? And, and you know, at the end of the day, it is all about people and, you know, their experiences and their beliefs that sort of power everything from, you know, the products we build to the, the marketing campaigns and the stories we tell about that value. It's, it's all about the people. And it, and it always has to start with, um, with leadership at the top, leading with passion and vision and empathy and, and, you know, a true sense of purpose. And, you know, certainly I can tell you that, you know, in, in my five years now here at SAP, I mean, that is priority number one for me in terms of, of how I'm leading the marketing strategy for SAP. So you've been lucky enough starting, you know, early on, it sounds like your mom was certainly one of the great minds who influenced you. And I'm going to guess that Bill McDermott was one of them also. Um, but tell us who some of the other great minds were, who you've come across in your career or, you know, in, in personal endeavors who have really, you know, had an influence on you. So my first role out of school was working for a travel management company called Rosenbluth International uh, based in Philadelphia. And how I found myself there was I grew up in central New Jersey. So it was an equal distance, you know, whether or not I wanted to go to New York or I wanted to go to Philadelphia. And I often as, you know, throughout my childhood, we, we visited both. Um, and I knew that one day I wanted to work in New York, um, but it felt too daunting at first. And I said, I should start in Philly and get my feet underneath me. Um, but where on earth do I start in Philadelphia? And so I picked up Fortune Magazine um, in their annual 100 Best Companies to Work For. And I scanned the list and I landed on the first company on the list that was headquartered in Philadelphia. And it happened to be Rosenbluth International. I think they were number 32. Um, of best companies to work for. And 
immediately went to their website and saw what jobs were open. And, you know, as a very eager uh, 22 year old at the time, I saw that they had a head of global marketing and communications role open. And I said, perfect. Let me put in my resume that has nothing on it except my college education. (laughs) Um, And so I so boldly put it in. And I remember a week later, um, the head of human resources actually called me and she says, well, I don't think you're quite qualified for that role, Um, but we do have a program that um, is intended for, um, you know, those who we would see as high potential and it's a management trainee program and you come in and you spend six months and you, you, you rotate through every department in the company. You spend two weeks in human resources, two weeks in finance, you know, two weeks in marketing, two weeks in sales, and you just rotate through. And I said, wow, this is perfect. And I had to apply and I got accepted into the program. Um, And about three months into the program, I rotated through the office of the CEO um, and had an opportunity to work on some fantastically motivating projects in my first in my two-week assignment, they they extended me a few times. And then um, a couple of weeks later, I was asked to take on a permanent role in working um, in the office of the CEO. And, you know, I will say my my first leader, Hal Rosenbluth, who um, uh, was the, the CEO of the company, um, is another leader that I would recognize um, in being able to shape my career out of the gate because he is a visionary, a creative, very unconventional leader that prioritized employees, um, you know, as the people that you need to take care of the most, because when you take care of your employees and you show them the way, um, then there's a better chance that they're going to show that same respect for the customers in which you service. And I believed in that philosophy so much. Um, I learned creativity from him, the power of innovation the power of thinking out of the box, and certainly the power um, and responsibility you have of taking care of your people if you want them to have the same level of care for the job that you're asking them to do every day. And so that would be the other one I would say, you know, had just a very important mark in my life. And it's often my early leaders that I learned from the most because that's, you know, I can very easily look back on my life and, you know, point to those handful of people you know, that are responsible truly for who I am today, um, because they, they shape some element of me in some way. And, and, and I'm, I'm forever thankful of that because I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the leadership attributes that I possess and it's all due to, you know, those that took the time, um, you know, and were there for me to learn from in the very early days, be it my childhood or in my career. Fantastic. Well, that was a, a great answer. All right. I, I'm feeling uh, uh, guilt that I'm keeping you from where you're supposed to be. No worries. Well, it was great to talk with you and catch up. And I'm so, so happy that, that we were able to make this happen. Thank you very much for listening. And for more content just like this, visit advertisingweek360.com. Production on this episode was by Jack Hirschman and Brendan Porter. And original music was by Ian Levy.